the Lonely. For this monthly show, I caught up with Alan Porteous and John O'Brien. We discussed the recent form of Airdronians, the two-year contract given to Ian Murray, Alan Porteous takes us through a surreal existence where Alan McCoyce had chosen Airdrie over Kilmarnock in 1998. Following Callum Gallagher's screamer against Clyde, we discuss our favourite of our Airdrie goals and, because I've got nothing better to do with my time, we end with a song for Airdrie. Okay, we're back for another Only the Lonely and panellists I've got again John O'Brien welcome back John thank you very much and Alan Porteous and Alan uh, a bit remiss of me we started the podcast probably back about a year and a half ago now uh, and usually when I get a new guest on I ask them how did they end up supporting Airdrie but I've never actually asked you and I don't know so uh, what was your route into falling the diamond uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, an admission to make probably with this one in that Going way back when I, when, when I was a youngster, I, I used to go to see Motherwell one week and Airdrie the next because my dad was like a, a rampant Motherwell fan. Season had a ticket holder, whatever, and he did his damnedest to make me a Motherwell fan. Used to walk about, walk about the house, and the one song he sang, he taught me was "Oh well, oh well, we are the champions." And I used to walk about like a four-year-old singing this song. I just thought it was a kind of Oh well, you know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> my old indifference type of thing. So, bottom line was, I, I went to see Motherwell on one Saturday and my dad took me to see Airdrie the, the next and there was no question, it was my hometown. And I, I, I just, I saw Motherwell as being this kind of strange, bigger club, strangely. But everyone was a wee bit better, their pitch was a wee bit better than ours, their stand was a bit bigger than ours, their, play, their team was a wee bit better. And there was just something about the, the other side of it, that, that the, 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 the the crappy grass that, that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't even, but the strip and the strip, the strip, the diamonds and, and whatever that was the thing. So that was it. That was why. So and, I, and eventually, I jettisoned my dad and went with my mates. And what did he do at that point? Did he just go to Motherwell? Was he still? Well, he, 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 he kind of came. At the, he, he still came with me to the odd game, but we had we had tickets that time up in the pavilion. And and I can remember there was a game, John, you'll maybe remember this, but there was, I think, in our promotion year, did we not beat Motherwell 3 1 or 4 1 or something? We absolutely trounced them at home. 79 80, yes. Aye, aye, aye. And I started taking the mickey out of my dad when the, when, the, when the last goal went in, and he took a big strop at me, and everybody in the pavilion laughed at him, and he never came back. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that I now live in Edinburgh, and I hear lots of stories about guys two generations ago who nobody travelled, so you would watch Hibs One Week in Hearts the next. Aye. and it was much less tribal but that's, that, that's now gone and it's their derby this weekend and there's like a real hatred amongst aye, them aye, aye. so it's a, maybe just a generational thing I was speaking to a guy at my work this week and he was saying that he went to see Stirling Albion one week and he would go and see Airdrie the next week yeah which is a strange comparison. It's probably why I don't dislike Albion Rovers too much because I used to go to Albion Rovers when Airdrie were away. I didn't even go and watch Airdrie Reserves. I don't know why. I just wanted to see a football match of what I thought was a higher order. So I went to see Albion Rovers and enjoyed that to a large extent because some way back in the 70s particularly, a lot of ex-Airdrie players would go there either in the capacity as manager or players, you know, so... I, I took that from that. There's a bit of the pish factor as well, isn't it? You can't really get annoyed at somebody that's not that great. <laughs> <laughs> isn't it? That, 
Well, we say that, and then we do these podcasts oh. more about our own players well, now. Well, so well, it may not be garbage. true. Okay. Uh, <laughs> right, well, we probably should have a bit of a catch-up. It's the last podcast we recorded before the Clyde match, and actually it was funny talking to you at half-time in that match, Alan, and you said I fancies to win today, which after the first half I would never have picked, but there you go, it was a good prediction. And you'd gone on to your phone, seen it was 4-1, to and not touched it with a barge well, pole. Well, I know, absolutely. That, that was a shocker. That was a shocker. Uh, we were then humbled by what seems to be a very good East Fife team uh, away against them. A home draw with Falkirk, which seemed to be a bit of a turgid game. A bit of light relief playing Bohemians, which turned out to be their second string, really. I, I don't know if anyone's listened. There was a, I did a podcast with one of their guys who was coming across. When I looked at the team and saw they had 11 changes from the week before, uh, I think it's just as well that we beat them or else Aye, should a be. A wee bit of perspective in that one. Uh, but, but still, we're through the next round of the, the Challenge Cup. And then a very good away win against an informed Dumbarton last week. So rather than go through the games one by one, I thought it'd be good to just reflect on where we think we are in terms of this season. So, John, what, what do you think? Can well, you... the one thing that's come through, and it's, I'm delighted for... Uh, him in particular, that I didn't think Kyle McDonald had a great game up at East Fife, and it was the first one of the first games that he'd played. But I, I think since then he has turned out to be one of our really better players. And he, he, you know, the only thing that he's missed so far is he's had some cracking shots. Should have scored last week against Dumbarton, but uh, he really has has become a, a a real threat for me, and I've liked and enjoyed that. No doubt about it. The defeat in the middle, the East Fife. Uh, was hard to take because we, we looked as if we were turning the corner because East Fife had the hoodoo over us for many years and last year I think it was we, we seemed to reverse that given we'd signed so many East Fife players but uh, they do look they, they bullied us to a large extent and that was the the thing that worried me most uh, I'd like to see more aggression from some of our players the the one thing that has quite surprised me is still go back to a topic which we covered previously, there still seems to be a number of uh, team changes made consistently you you don't have anyone at all uh, even Sean Crichton uh, you know, no one has played 100% games, you know, so there, there have been changes but to a large extent, you know, when you get the results uh, you know, you can't complain because it's working. Maybe it's taken that length of time to establish what the best formats are. So you still feel Murray doesn't really know his his best team, don't you? Possibly, possibly. But uh, then again, I I don't because sometimes you see some players coming on. Uh, I mean, Nat Weatherburn, for example, uh, came on as a substitute against Dumbarton, and I didn't think made the most of his chance there. In fact, he nearly cost us a goal because of his hesitation. Against that, uh, young Thompson came on and had two, you know, he, he was keen to show I should be back in the team kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think Ian Murray must be looking for, some of these players who are on the outside looking in to show what they can do, make the most of the opportunity. Because some players now are becoming what seems to me very much fringe players. Ali Roy, who was a starter constantly to begin with, now seems to have dropped to that. Curtis Roberts, I'm not too sure whether or not he's carrying injuries and missing out on that, but we've not seen a great deal of him. So it's interesting. And now, of course, we've got seen the team lines for today and the, the young boy uh, from Hamilton, one's dropped or left on the bench, shall we say, and one's in. So it's another new face. I'm just wondering how this this will go today. 
and we've spoken about midfield at length since the beginning of last season. There have been a lot of ins and outs. Do we still think that's a problem area or at least an area where he's still trying to work out what his best combination is? I think it's undoubtedly a, a problem area. There's, there still seems to be a, a lack of creativity coming from it. There's not that consistent link coming forward from midfield to the forwards that are creating a lot of chances. And I kind of worry that because I think that's eventually going to catch up with us. It was quite interesting. And I went to see the reserves on Monday night and they, they beat Queen's Park 1-0. Now, it was from, from, the, from the outset, it was really obvious that, that we were bigger, stronger, quicker. Uh, we, we had the bulk of the possession against them, I thought, uh, as well. And yet, over the whole game, we created one chance and we scored. We scored from it, but we created one chance. And I wonder, you know, you feel that they're playing the same formation, there's the same ethos is running through all levels of our club, which is absolutely correct. I mean, I think the reserves should be playing to the, the standard and, the, and, the, and the, the, the strategy of the of the first team, but there's there's, there's, there's a disconnect here. There's, there's something that, that, that possession and, and whatever is not translating into attack-minded football. And, it, and to be honest, it was a bit of a drudge. It was it was a bit of a board fest. And uh, I, I, I worry that the the first team certainly don't have maybe maybe it's maybe it's not overly a creative player maybe it's somebody that's more box to box that uh, that, that 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 hustles more and, and and just does things a little bit quicker we, we both teams seem to play so much of the game in front of the opposition and it's easy to defend you know even at our level it's easy to defend so. text messages we've had the You've not always been a big fan of Kieran Miller, but the last couple of games you've actually talked him up in terms of. I thought he'd have been impressed by. Oh, he had a fantastic second half at Dumbarton. You know, he just won absolutely everything. Still, again, it's clearly part of his game, though. Didn't really offer much going forward, mm-hmm. but you know, d- defensively when it when it came to it, you know, he, he won everything in his zone. Um, so I was I was quite impressed by that. But again, we get to the realms of suddenly Nat Weatherburn comes on, and you're left with this kind of scenario that if the two of them are on the park. You can't yeah. see how we're going to create something moving forward. I mean, early on this season, I had the feeling that Weatherburn might replace Miller, but he's kind of shown up and it looks more like it'll be the other way. Weatherburn's going to have to prove himself a bit more or wait for his, his chance. The big difference is that Weatherburn plays, plays a reason, normally plays a reasonably good forward ball. He's, yeah. he's, he's better with the ball at his feet than I thought he was going to be. And if you, if you look at the real difference between the two players, you know, Miller tends to. If he wins the ball, he plays an easy square ball or goes back the way. Whereas Weatherburn tries at least to you know to bring the forwards into play somewhere along the way. Doesn't always work as John you were saying. You know, there's been a couple instances that he's been a bit slack on it, and it seems to and it puts us under a wee bit of pressure. And he's not the quickest. You know, there's no no two ways about that. But I would still prefer him because I think there's that po- there's that positive forward motion that he creates yeah. for the team. He's also tr- he's tremendously strong without oh, point in the Clyde die. game where he just manoeuvres somewhere off the wall. It's beautiful. <laughs> he's just he's he's yeah he's a bit of a machine. Uh, up front, so you've mentioned Ali Roy's kind of dropped out a bit, but again, feels like Gallagher. His goals are meaning that you can't really ignore. He should be the person that you he plays your main striker, and Smith has been constantly active, looked technically good. They seem to be maybe emerging as more of a first choice front pairing. I think so because if you look at it critically, uh, you know the the goals now are coming from Callum Gallagher was getting a lot of goals as 
uh, coming off the bench. I can now see, uh, I, I like impact subs, players who come on and make a difference. And I saw that last week for uh, uh, from Thompson, which was good because he had a couple of really good shots. Now, players should be able to make the difference, and I think that's what Ian Murray's probably trying to develop. You know, it's a squad game, so therefore you see the, the, the difference when these players come on. But Callum Smith, certainly, and uh, Gallagher, to me, are first choice, you know. So they just now, uh, Smith just hasn't had the goals. Unfortunately, his, his work rate uh, would deserve. So, still uh, a great. I hope the, 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 do we have him for the whole season? It's not I think just it is a season long Now, whether or not there's terms within that where if a new Dunfermline manager comes in and decides that he wants him back, he can't pull him or not, I don't know. But I'm sure it was listed as a, a season long loan when we got him and probably tied up in the Josh Edwards deal. So, hopefully, not too many right. strings attached to it. Fingers crossed they don't rate him. They don't seem to rate good forwards anyway. So. <laughs> Dunfermline. <laughs> Aye, so maybe he'll just fly under the radar. Yeah. I doubt it, but uh, uh-huh. you never know. It's been pleasing, and again, now we've down from what I asked for, which is 15 out of 27. We're now at 10 and 3 to play, so 15 seems very much on, and yeah. I think that you know that's now measured against where where it would take us at the end of the season. So two, two of the teams that I think will finish bottom half, Peterhead and Stranraer, uh, you know, we have to play, so... Peter Ed have been better than I expected them to be and I, I've kind of got them as a dysfunctional club in my head not sure the manager should have been given as much time as he has been there given that he's taken them down and the fact that they were sniffing about both Paige and Conroy who I think no Airdrie fan was particularly sad to to see leave was making me think they, and, and you've still got other older players there like Jamie Stevenson's still there do you think who else was still there? Harry Boyle yeah so doesn't f- and Simon Ferry, so Leech. it doesn't doesn't feel like a young team and uh-huh. saying those guys. But the results have been pretty good. Well, been better than I expected them okay. to be. Yeah, Clyde seems to have found their feet. Uh, you know, and they're getting. But I, I do think it's still a league where everybody can beat everyone yeah. else. So it's just a question if you. We now really need to see the difference by getting results against the so-called. Bigger yep. teams, if that's the right way to put it. But well, the, the teams that you would expect to be at the top, we lost to Kifor for no, not, but I think by the end of the season, if they find this last season for him, but East Fife certainly, we didn't have a great performance again. Home draw against Falkirk, so if we don't get a win today, we are looking like we're struggling against the, the bigger sides. Yes. Well, here is it. I mean, every game tends to, you can almost pitch a slant to almost every game now, can't yeah. you? Because there's a, you know, the if we lose today, which I hope we won't, I, I, I'm, I don't think we will, um, but if we lose today, you've got to look at it and think, we've lost it, we, we haven't been able to beat Falkirk, Wraith or Forfar, who would probably be three re- reasonable yep. opponents there, uh-huh. and we haven't we haven't been able to beat any of them at home, uh-huh. that would be a gauge for me that, that maybe... The championship isn't looking like ours. It's, we're going to be scrabbling around for a playoff place. Sometimes events happen, and I, I don't know. He's been quoted a few times. Did one of the young brothers played for Partick Thistle? Did he not? Uh, was it the East Fife manager? Was Derek or Darren? I, I can't I remember. But I mean, Partick Thistle now have a managerial slot. You know. Yeah. So is is this likely to you know? He's he's. 
to all intents and purposes the League One uh, manager, you know, who has taken his five to the top of the league at the moment. Is you know what do you call it? He's in the moment. So maybe if they were to change in the players, that may have a knock-on effect. Yeah, and they have been a really strange side in terms of the last two seasons. Their form's gone off a cliff. Uh, I think they finished potentially as low as seventh last year after having looked shoe-ins for the playoffs. The year before, their players also seem to just phone it in for the last few games of the season. So there's a question as to whether or not they uh-huh. can sustain it because uh-huh. it's the same coaching staff, it's some of the same players. There's something about what they do that means that they just run out of steam towards the end. We can, yeah. we can hope. I think what they did was they bought two league winners uh, to the club, uh, Ryan Wallace and uh, Denham from a broth. You know, so they know what it's like to win that league, and that you know might well have uh, cascaded some kind of approach throughout the, the playing system. You know, so we shall see. You never know how. Today is a very tough game, as you rightly put. Uh, lots of ex-players. I think Wedderburn will be disappointed not to be playing. So might some of the Wraith Rovers. Fans be happy that uh, you know disappointed, shall we say? Because sometimes his form is up and down, and he came on last week, to my mind, to deal with the aerial threat, having lost Sean Crichton. Uh, instead, they played much more on the ground, which was not to uh, his liking, I don't think, or comfort. So, are we were done. David Hutton, the man who arrived last year as a second choice keeper, uh, and has. He's, I think he's pretty much developed into a cult hero at the club. His penalty save at Parkhead and his kind of interaction with Scott Brown following that. He game at, Week after week, we seem to be just talking about one or two really, really top-class saves. I can't think of many mistakes. Maybe Partick Thistle's first goal against us, but other than that, I'm, I'm struggling to think of where he's put a foot wrong. Uh, he's... he's he was player of the season last year. If he keeps up the form that he's in, he might again claim the, the goal this year. I think he's been a very good addition for someone that I didn't really expect to be as, as good as he has been. I think so too. I think yeah. he's, if you want to criticise anything, and it's probably not his fault, he's, if he was a foot taller, yeah. he, 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 would, you know, he, would, he would make a lot more easy saves. Whereas, uh, you know, you, sometimes he's reaching for the top corner a little bit and if he gets caught a couple of feet off his line, uh, there's that but no I can't fault anything the save the save in the last minute of the game and, and last week at Dumbarton was Gordon Banks t- type of stuff I think it was it was the real you're earning your crust there because you know there's been yeah. some if he'd not been in if he'd not been in form and, and on his game and then goes for us I think we'd probably be three or four points the worse off at the moment and you know there would be there would be murmurings in the ranks about, he's about reacting to I think Real opposition. Most clubs have a first team keeper and a backup keeper. Both keepers we have really could be first choice in a number of clubs. To be honest with you, and I think he's reacted. You know, uh, the Bohemians was an opportunity for Scott Gallagher to get some game time rather than a reserve match. Yeah, you know, yeah. so maybe sometimes goalkeepers feel disappointed to be left out regardless so it's funny though because they're very very different types of goalkeepers I think I always feel that, that Hutton's quite flamboyant and sometimes he makes the most of his uh, of, of saves um, there was one again last week that you thought goodness, if he takes a, if he steps a foot to the left he could catch this but it's this big massive dive and whatever but Gallagher's a little bit more 
you know, he's, he's economical, he, you know, he, he, he makes things look a bit easier. And I think when he came in at the start, a few folk were sort of looking at it thinking, ah, he looks a bit slow and cumbersome and, and non-reactive, and it wasn't really that, he kind of, Aye, aye, they're very, very different. Yeah, we've still to see. I don't. I think we probably judged him very critically uh, because he he wasn't great. I don't think when he came on loan, his loan spell didn't, you know. But then, then you could probably ask who were the players round about him uh, that exposed the frailties. But I, I mean, I I don't know. I mean. Uh, Dumbarton are forever having a go like East Five last year that about us taking all their players and things like that. Has he lost a bit of hair since we last saw him? I don't know. I thought I thought he looked okay. Look on the on the baldy side when he came in there. I don't know. Last week, aye. Maybe it was my bad eyesight, but you know. Maybe he's just cut away that wispy bit that he was, I don't, I don't he judge was in denial over. You know, yeah. I don't judge over. people for their boldness. I'm well, <laughs> I'm 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 in a I'm in a fortunate <laughs> position that nobody can slag me off for having a go at Baldy. <laughs> Uh, it's not a hundred years ago that we were uh, we were playing seven goalkeepers in the one season or something like that until Grant Absolutely. Adam came and stabilised things so I think to have two good goalkeepers is something that we can all, uh, can all three, be very good yeah. right, we were kind of scrambling about for things to talk about in terms of a, a monthly catch up podcast but then the club uh, gave us a gem on Thursday night when they announced that Eid Murray had signed a new two year deal now don't know what I thought Ian Murray's deal was. I've got him in my head as he's only been here five minutes, but it must be coming up about a year because uh, it was about this time last year that uh, Stephen Finlay parted ways with the club. Uh, Ian Murray's had a decent enough first season. I, I was kind of quite surprised. I'm not uh, looking at the reaction to it, it's probably matches more, and I'm probably positive. A bit of stability. He seems to he seems to be doing a good job. I was just shocked that the uh, that any football manager would get a two year contract nowadays, but. But I guess it's a positive step, it's an investment. Uh, on balance, uh, no complaints about it. It's, the club's obviously thinking about the future. And, John, you've already said, Patrick Thistle jobs come up. There's others that might come in and look at somebody doing a good job and take him away from us, in which case you'd be back to the drawing board, which would be a bit of a nightmare in a, a season that's off to a bright enough start. Uh, but I just wondered what, what you guys make of it. Well, I remember... Uh, this time last season, October, I think it was, Ian Murray uh, did say quite categorically, the team that you're watching just now won't be the same as the team you're watching next year, 2019, and that's very much the case. So I, I think what the, the board have done is say, OK, then we'll give you your team, you know, along with Stuart Miller uh, and discussions with uh, Ian. Uh, so therefore along the way this is what's happened and it's led to the decision obviously we've invested in the player recruitment now if we were to lose him at any given time uh, then as a whole reset button and given we have signed as many as at least 10 players uh, including not discounting the loan players it's going to leave us as you say in a difficult position because the manager, the first thing a manager ever does is says, yes, I can turn things around uh, or change the, the direction of the club, but I'll need my own players. So you are in very much, and this is why, do you constantly uh, turn things around? My biggest fear, really, and always has been, is that I, forward planning 
this is shown to be, but I don't think way back, you've probably got to go back to the days of uh, Kenny Black stroke Jimmy Boyle, where you've got someone in place who will succeed the manager, you know. I mean, I think back to Albion Rovers when uh, Young, Mr Young of East Fife was coached, uh, he had a coach of Sandy Clark. And Alan Johnson was another who was coached by Sandy Clark. So there is that level of experience getting cascaded down so that in turn, I mean, for example, would you see uh, who's currently assistant manager? Marcus Patrick. Uh -huh. Would you see Marcus? Well, you were asking who is assistant Ma at East Fife? No, Marcus Mar Mar Fitzpatrick. Would you ever see him automatically go back in? Would he even want it? I don't know. Would that ever happen? I don't know. So I don't think. Uh -huh. We have he's to. He's got the most successful, and he's got the best success rate as an every manager. Right? <laughs> he's the one every time he's been a caretaker. But, you, but you can't, you can't so invest so much in, in the players and not say, well, we're not trusting the manager's judgment. So one one links well to the other, that's, and that's the simple economics of it all. Yeah. You know, so I don't think uh, we, we look or fault that to a large extent because that's all it seems to have been to do, rather, you know. Would it have been the same, for example, if we had found ourselves where Montrosa, for example, now with one point from six games? No, but uh, we're into we're one of only three teams still in the Tunnock's Caramel Log Stroke Wafer Cup. <laughs> snowball, uh, <laughs> snowball, oh. uh, and, and we, you know. And that's not bad if we're 16 still, so we're still in there and a chance of progressing further. And uh, you know, and we're well placed in the league to get those 15 points. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think what more could you do? I think the, the point you made very, very much earlier is uh, getting the, the points against the bigger clubs or the other competitors for promotion. I was the management as. The recruitment part of it, you need to make sure your recruitment's well thought out and you've not got a massive budget. You can't afford too many mistakes. And then if you're getting the team to, to kind of blend together well, which you do through tactics and training and developing players and how would Dean Murray doing each of those? Pass marks from me, but, but he hasn't come in and had a start like East Fife have had this year. But if he was to walk away now, who would have wanted Erzie to get? I, I think I'd be scratching my head. I'm not sure there's many managers at this level who I would think are standing out as doing a great job who I think would come to Airdrie so a bit of continuity I think will go a long way and I'm, I think I'm happy that he's got a longer tenure uh, just I was a bit taken back by the timing off it wasn't something I was expecting to come out uh, what was my what was my text phrase of, of midweek when I, when I heard I think it was Indian summer madness Indian summer madness you know to give a, to give a manager a two year deal on the back of what I mean, I think if, if we go back three weeks ago to the East Fife debacle, there were fans at the front of the stand screaming at him. His job was on a sugly nail to, at, at that stage. And while I, I, I think we've steadied the ship quite substantially, it just kind of seemed to be a decision that didn't need to be made. You know, I think, you know... But you that's could, what I'm saying. I, I, I think I read somewhere that his contract was running out. Aye. But, you know, no, you no, so... Have, well, it had, had to be made one way or another. You can have rolling contracts, you can have shorter All contracts. Right, right. So, yeah. it's, a decision two, had to be made. two years that you're, you're questioning. Well, well there's that, absolutely. You know, I, I don't think such a, a long-term decision needed to be made. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm assuming, that, uh, that there's some kind of 
mutual clause in there that would that would ultimately mean that, that, that it wouldn't be desperately expensive for either to part company if for for whatever reason whether somebody wanted uh, Murray or whether we wanted to get rid of him. I just don't like the idea of going on another horrendous route, horrendous run and being saddled with somebody you can't get rid of because that smacks a little bit of you know, take take your way back to when Jim Ballantyne gave Kenny Black a contract, a long contract on the back end of a good first game performance in the playoffs against the United, and then we we get beaten in the next game, and and it was downhill from there for whatever reason, and that was you know those are the if I go back, Kenny Black's latter days are the no pun intended the blackest days for me as an Airdrie fan they were just so bad and we just and and he would probably still be here now if, with whatever the contract was if Scotland hadn't he bizarrely snapped him up uh, as an assistant somewhere along the, the, the road so I, I'm, ju- I'm, I'm just con- concerned that we make a decision that doesn't need to be made and then it traps us into something that we then can't get out of because it was let's be honest it was only three weeks ago when things were looked pretty grim mm-hmm. and and it looked like it was a slippery slope all, all, all round. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure is, is the answer to that one. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I recall the incident you're talking about at East Fife, but, you know, the, the thing you would emphasise is uh, uh, it was more the manner of the loss than, than uh, losing itself. Uh, the, the facts are that uh, I, do, I don't see any other potential Hibs managers on the horizon if uh, the, the fella from Yorkshire Heckenbottom get, loses the next one you know and, and the first Hib, Hibs play Hearts first today or tomorrow? Tomorrow. First tomorrow tomorrow one of the I reckon one of the one of the Edinburgh Derby managers are going yeah so I mean if it's the, if it's Hibs then you know the tendency you can you can gain some uh, shall we say some time if you bring in a former fans favourite a good, a he's good. the only manager I think unless there's any other ex-Hibs managers there or thereabouts I can't even think of any for Kenny Miller was Kenny Miller at Hibs at all he was uh-huh. in yes. his very very early days right. no you're right I think uh, there's a Hearts fan at work said when we appointed Ian Murray, that's been off my, lost my soft spot for air. I said, what are you talking about soft spot for air? You were a bit unbeaten in 15 against you. Oh, yeah, stretches back about 30 years. None of them have been recent. Uh, but Ian Murray, I think, had the Hibs year of foundation shaved in his head before an Edinburgh. But he's a dyed-in-the-wool heavy. Okay. So, to an extent, I think that would go. You could see it be a popular appointment with some of their support. But I, do, I don't know how the rest of Scottish football would view his stock, given that it's very, very bright start against uh, with Dumbarton. A bit of a failure at St Mirren. Nobody knows what happens in Norwegian football. Well, and Airdrie have done okay. So. Well, it's obviously financially it's financially prudent, I suppose. If you can manage just not in a contract, he's very much open to go somewhere else. But he's open to go somewhere else without any recompense. Yeah. So, you know, if, if, if the stock was reasonably good, then it stands to reason that a contract of some sort makes, makes people pay if he's going to go. I would argue at the moment, like you're saying, you know, in the managerial merry-go-round that's coming up, you know, they're... Would would Ian Murray be, you know, top five in anybody's list to mm-hmm. to replace anybody at the in, in Edinburgh or at Partick Thistle or whatever? No, I, again, maybe a decision like that didn't need to be made at that stage. And just some of these clubs just fire managers in, you know, yeah. for the sake of it. I don't really think they think things through and say let's get uh, someone 
whose pedigree is very high because anyone whose pedigree is high it costs and part of the battle of another club taking a manager is how much is it going to cost us because we have the cost of getting rid of the previous manager so I, I think uh, on the basis of the, the start so far you know it's potentially better than uh, many seasons back the, the rest has to be fulfilled maybe it was discussions with the, the board uh, that uh, sealed it and he yep. said we backed you etc you know and they have done to a large extent albeit the other subject which we discussed previously there's still a number of uh, loan players out there uh, well we've taken a number of loan players so some of those players won't be there you know next season for example uh, so I'm happy with what's what's Results-wise, performance-wise, I'd like to see more. There are certain aspects to his managerial, the everyone behind the ball, Not like shots of goal and stuff. Uh, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. But scored quite a lot of goals chances. this year. I've got because they're the games that I don't know where goals are going to come from. But a lot of the goals, the games have been quite high scoring. Yeah, so. I just think what's what is the level of expectation now? I think, are, are I think it's playoffs. It if we don't make the playoffs this year, it's a failure. I think I think I think we should reach the playoffs. Every I've always seen Airdrie as a, a top twenty club. Yeah. Take two, add the two divisions together. Therefore, we should be in the championship constantly. And, that, and it doesn't happen overnight, and it's just, but it does still feel quite early. And you, uh, can I say in two years' time, I think we'll definitely be a top 20 club? No, I can't, but I, I would, I'd still be hopeful. It's just, uh-huh. there's a lot still to happen this season uh, to get, we need to get to the playoffs to be shown uh, development. And if we don't get to the playoffs, then I think people will be asking questions, including Ian Murray probably himself, as to why did that not happen? And the board would be asking questions at that point too. And then if there's still 18 months left in the contract, it might be quite expensive to end. But, yeah, or, but, but or, hopefully... It's... Or comes January window and we're really not just within the playoffs, uh, a possibility of one of the, the four clubs who could yeah. you know, take the title. You know, So I think it's, it's a risky business uh, being either a director uh, and making that judgment, but they, they have made the decision... Uh, on the basis of uh, discussions and what they've seen, so I'll go with that. Uh, and know, and, there's a, and there's, it's their money ultimately as well. So uh, I, there's been investment in the club this year, which I see is a positive thing. Uh, and we are signing younger players on longer deals and running this reserve squad to try and bring guys through. So they do; they are taking a long-term view. So it's consistent with that. Yeah, yeah. I think there will be some, there will be people who are. And, and view, is their viewpoint unhappy with it but I mean sometimes you you can be damned if you do and damned if you don't uh, if we had let him go uh, and he someone had poached him unknown to us we'd be saying why did they let that happen yeah. or some will be saying that that's all uh, they weren't prepared for it I don't know you don't think so Alan? <laughs> I, think I would have been saying that, no. No, no, well, it's not that. You're right to point out. I would have probably shrugged my shoulders on the difference, who, in fairness. Who, no, no. Rustled my sweetie paper, you know. Who would you, who would you take? I know, I know. I'll uh, sack Peter Grant, take Ian Murray, uh, and then you're saying, well, who do, who do we go for? I, don't, I can't really think. 
you would obviously have to swoop in for Peter Grant there at that point. <laughs> <laughs> or, or Danny Lennon, just for the factor of the fact that, that you look at him and go, who is that man? Why has he changed? What's uh-huh. happened? He's been, getting, has, he's been getting linked to the Thistle job. Has he had a midlife crisis or something? Is it, was, was it Radovan Karavich who disappeared and turned up looking a bit like that? It's like a, a herbalist. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what Well, I didn't even realise Kelty Hearts were playing last night. Uh, Barry Ferguson, they, they get beat, I believe. Uh, they beat 3-0 by Auchinleck. Was it? And uh, so he was been linked to the club previously, wasn't it? As was Nacho Novo, but I think there was a lot of the, the stories around about that time that uh, I'm quite quite glad didn't come to fruition. Never employ a guy that's named after a corn snack. <laughs> uh, I'll have to tell you what, there can't be any others. There's nobody, with, nobody called Dorito Thompson. Tackle! <laughs> Bobby Tackle! Oh, I'm quite sure when, when we had Steve Archibald's crowd, there was either a nickname in there or it would have been nice. <laughs> right, that's, I guess, a look to the future with a two year contract. What I wanted to do, and I've pinched shamelessly from another podcast, was a bit of a sliding doors theme. So when Adrian moved, built the stadium and moved into the stadium in 1990, I think we saw ourselves as hopefully a premiership team in waiting. And it didn't happen. But one of the stories that always sticks with me was that Ali McCoy was about to leave Rangers and whether it was the Gillespies or, or whoever, there was a real play from Airdrie to try and get him in as a marquee signing before uh, our first season at the new ground. He didn't. He went to Kilmarnock and he was fairly successful there and, and managed to forge a career for himself and question a sport about the same time. Uh, but what what would life have been like if Ali McCoy had decided he didn't want to eat more pies and go to Kilmarnock and he was happy to come to Airdrie? Uh, Alan? I had a wee think about this and I wrote I wrote down an alternative scenario. So I'll, I'll, I'll maybe, I'll, I'll not remember it and maybe you can comment on it when, once I've finished. Jump, the, jump in the DeLorean and tell us how the world I think some of this might I think some of this might have happened. So we got... Ali, Mc- Ali Coisty McCoist, he signs for Airdrie in the summer of 1998 in an interview with Craig Levine's new Scottish football magazine 460, he's quoted as choosing the diamonds over the Kelly because he thought the strip was a brammer and you can get a good steak pie at the Tudor. Coisty scored 32 goals in his first season in the Diamonds jersey, however Airdrie are narrowly pipped for the first division title by Alec McLeish's Hibs. In a final nail-biting Saturday, Hibs win comfortably away at Morton, while the Diamonds predictably lose 5-0 at home to an already relegated Stranraer. In the closed season, Coisty loses some hair, puts on three stone due to an addiction to Findus Crispy Pancakes and Curly Whirlies, and realises that his pulling days are behind him. Hazel Irvin breathes a sigh of relief and goes off to commentating golf instead. <laughs> Unable to bend down and tie his own football boots anymore, Ali is made the Airdrie manager. In, in the wake of Alec McDonald retiring to write his best-selling autobiography, Doddy Shite. After a shaky start uh, down to the players, not really understanding Coisty's revolutionary tactics of two men up front, off-ball movement and defensive man marking, the team settles and finishes a creditable third in the league. A media company owned by David Murray threatens to take AFC to court over a small unpaid debt. Coisty visits Murray, reminds him of the bending down barmaid incident at the 1996 <laughs> Rangers Christmas party at Dirt Bay Marina and the matter is instantly forgotten. A telling factor probably in Airdrie's history. Saved by the threat of liquidation, the club embark on spending, spending spree, buying the entire stock of sofas from Craig's furnishings, paper towels for the toilets and 300 pairs of novelty underpants from Wish.com. En route to the director's box for pre-game drinks, Coisty's son runs down Lord Lyon on his way to investigate claims that Airdrie's badge displayed 
writing inside the shield. No one notices that the government's king of arms isn't. He's working the Monday, uh, following Monday and Coisty's son is carried shoulder high to Airdrie <laughs> Sheriff Court where he is charged with forgivable hit and run. Another old pointless Scottish bylaw. Everybody in the home stand wins a bet at 15-2 as Coisty eats a pie on Alba TV during a <laughs> televised match versus St Mirren. Colin Telford boasts he got 9-1 <laughs> and in the resultant inquiry McCoist is cleared of any wrongdoing. When asked if it was a good pie he comments it was alright but it could have done with some real HP sauce. <laughs> Diamonds go from strength to strength bolstered by cash from the chairman heaving all the club's funds on the pie bet and a lucrative sponsorship deal by a local gynaecology clinic, Holmasters. They sign Romario and a young Lucas Podolski. Podolski is a rousing success, bagging 42 goals. Romario fails to command a regular first-team berth due to an unwillingness to attack back at corners. The Brazilian goalscorer makes only five appearances for the Diamonds, three at left-back, and is eventually loaned out to Stranraer. Promotion to the Premier League is assured and the fans are jubilant, although their jubilation is tempered with news that proper brown sauce still won't be available at the pie stand. <laughs> Ali McCoist, Airdrie's most successful ever manager, eventually retires age 58 to be replaced by an inexperienced, unknown youth team coach who no one can remember the name of. Within three seasons, the Diamonds hit the heady heights of 7th in the newly named League One, a position they have remained in ever since. Coisty now lives in his luxury home on the banks of Loch Lomond, along with his wife, three kids, and his dog called Shagger. Still no one has missed Lord Lyon. <laughs> Very good. That's, Very my, good. that's good. my view of the alternative Very good. reality. But, but I had heard, no, you know, no, I was very well, I had heard that Ali McCoist had told uh, uh, no less a person, John McVeigh and Robert Duval, these Airdrie players is the only team I've ever wanted to play for. <laughs> when they get the chance to play alongside them all in Kilmocky. Oh, well, aye, I suppose. Aye. They were glory days, he called them. I was spot on, I don't think I can, I can fault it at all. <laughs> or, 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 it could uh, have happened. Uh, uh, you do wonder if we... That stadium is... A nice stadium with a lot of facilities in it. We've never put a team on the pitch that's been able to make use of it. And if we had managed to do something or if the Archibald thing had gone through and, and continued to see players of that ilk come through, whether it could all have been different, but, but there you go. But we'll finish up. The third goal against Clyde was an absolute screamer, an overhead kick, uh, not one that we see much of. What, just to finish up, sure your most memorable screamer of an Airdrie goal. So I don't want, I don't want a well-worked team move. I'm thinking, for me, Paul Jack at Love Street from, I think, Glasgow Airport, he hit it. Uh, and it just would, would still been going if the game was played at Capel. It absolutely <laughs> nailed the thing. Uh, it's probably the best screamer that I've seen uh, from an Airdrie player. But any... Yeah, my, my we the driver of cup in the early seventies, Sammy Goodwin put us ahead against Aberdeen, who were a very good team at the time, and I'm, I'm sure he must have hit it from about halfway. But realistically, the newspaper report said it was just outside the penalty box. <laughs> but it was a terrific strike, and sadly, not uh, made it to the uh, you know vision. Uh, records or any, any yeah, Kenny, Kenny Black's from the halfway line I wasn't there so it's annoying that uh, Diamond's TV I was, that, 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 that was that more a chip than a, a, yeah. a you know but it was a, a terrific goal Was the driver a cup the one that they had the funny offside lines on? They did they did the, in one of the tournaments yes, for uh, our younger for our younger listeners younger what, listeners. what was that? What, what did they do again? Oh, they, they had the, the, the 18 yard line they had uh, you were offside 
only when you were inside. They took the 18-yard line all the way, extended it to the, the touchline, and you were only offside when you were in that area. Ah, so you could go hang uh-huh. to an extent. Forward. It was yeah. to uh, push on for attacking football, really. So, but the greatest, made that. the greatest goal ever has to be, in my opinion, Chris Honor's penalty against Harps in the replay the Scottish Cup final because it sent us into Europe. Good shout. Any advance? Um, oh, I would say one that stands out for me, Jamie Fairley scored a goal at Broomfield one, one cold day, I'm pretty sure. And he, and he seen, if I remember, he picked the ball up at the edge of his own penalty box and beat about 20 men, zigzagged in and out them, launched himself forward by the halfway line, got another few yards, which at Broomfield, in fairness, he was almost in the goal line at that point. But and, and launched a, a launched a, a, a twenty five yarder into the top corner, mm. well, and and John's looking at me going, "You dreamt that because I don't remember it." I'm surprised no one mentioned that. Wasn't that it? it you was had a, a, you had the flu that day. Mid midweek mm-hmm. breaking game, we beat them down to ten men, and Alan Gow scored apparently one of the most outrageous goals ever, beating several players. I was there. Yeah, 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 you yeah. were there. You seem so. to to beat some of them twice because, <laughs> <laughs> but Airdrie were down to ten men, so I think they were just he was beating them. They were still coming back in, and he, just, he walks through the team and scored the winner to get us to probably the, the final, final that we yeah. lost. Yeah, final yeah. against uh, Inverness, Cali Thistle, Challenge Cup. John thought that actually your story of that goal was unrealistic even compared to your Ali McCoy stack <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you go it was another dream right guys thank you very much we'll head off to the game a big thanks to the four aisles for the uh, for giving us use of their function suite which looks great there's a party on tonight apologies for any background noise people were coming in to set up the party which we weren't expecting so uh, we'll, we'll try and cut that out but, but sorry for the, the, the quality of the sound Massive thanks as always to Scott Crawford for the original music for the podcast and to John O'Brien and Alan Portis for coming on. We've mentioned previously, but we hope to help Airdrie ladies this year and in fact, we've already raised £210 through your generous donations. If you haven't already, please go to gofundme.com forward slash Airdrie ladies fundraising. Any money you can give the ladies team will be much appreciated. Thanks for listening and here because hopefully the club is on the climb is my song for Adrie for this month. To reach championship Is a dream we're dreaming But little voice inside my head Saying we'll never reach it Every step we take and Every sign and made Seemed lost with no direction our faith's been shaken We've got to be strong And just keep pushing on There's always gonna be another season Keep on hoping up the leaks we'll move Always seems to be an uphill struggle Most years one we lose but it's a journey not the destination it's the overhead kick against Clyde we're on the climb the struggles we face and the chance is not taken well Playoffs, they might sound great, but 
Our hearts keep breaking And you might not think it But these are the times that Gonna make us appreciate If we ever went promotion And we've got to keep trying gonna be another season keep on hoping up the leaks will move always seems to be an uphill struggle most years one we lose but it's a journey not the destination it's the overhead kick against climb we're on the climb yeah moving, keep climbing, keep the faith dream. It's all about, it's all about the climb. Keep your faith. Yeah.